Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Mike and Laurent. Mike is away on assignment in New York. It is Friday, March 18th. In this episode, we have a full week of football. It was played from Tuesday to the whole week. Everton are saved by a zip tie. We'll more on that in a minute. And Liverpool are now edged to win the title. But first, I'm going to tell everyone a story. So, we are called the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast. It is odd. People don't know what Squeaky Bum Time is. It's hard to say. It is a odd word. It is a mouthful. I don't know if it's SEO worthy. Anyway, especially Americans are like, what the hell are you talking about with squeaky bum time? It has a very, very colorful and interesting history. So we today on this uh, St. Patrick's Day into March 18th have the 19th anniversary of squeaky bum time, squeaky bum time on this day in 2004 as 2003 or 2004, whatever. Alex Ferguson, the great manager, Sir Alex Ferguson of Manchester United and of Glasgow, a very thick accented man, was doing a regular post game press conference or pre game, doesn't matter, and was telling a story about a very tight title race between um, Manchester United and, listen for it, kids, Arsenal. Arsenal used to be the uh, big challenging team. And he's telling a story about it being this time of year. It's now February, March in the Premier League season. And one of the things that happens or used to happen within the press rooms of uh, these press conferences. So for those of you who don't know, in the Premier League, you don't really have access to players. We don't get post-game interviews. You don't get anything. Basically, the press gets to interview the coach of the team twice per game, once before the game, once after the game, and that press conference is split in half between the pre-embargo and post-embargo. So you get four pieces of content, four days of content that you get to write about. Anyway, it's weird. Uh, I don't know how they manage it, but it doesn't matter. That's why uh, things like um, uh, what guys wear is important and what they say and social media has changed everything. Anyway, that's not important. One of the people, one of the journalists in the pool who's listening to the um, press conference was in charge of transcribing everything that was said for the rest of the people. This is a time before everything was recorded. This was, a well, not too, but I mean, they had recorders, but it was nice to have it printed out and somebody would have the transcription and share it with the rest of the, with the rest of the players following the pool. So there'd be one guy whose job it was at every press conference to write everything down. Okay, where does squeaky bum time come from? In the throes of these interviews, Alex Ferguson refers to the tightness of the race as, and this is, of course, legendary, whether this is true or not doesn't matter, as squeeze your bum time. Squeeze your bum time, which makes more sense than squeaky bum time because it requires a chair or farting. But squeeze your bum time makes more sense. And in the deep Glaswegian accent of uh, Alex Ferguson, squeeze your bum became squeaky bum. And all the press guys, 
put it in their articles around that time. And hence, our podcast has a name, Squeaky Bum Time. It is actually in the dictionary attributed to Alex Ferguson because it was not a word that was used. It was a mistake. It's squeeze your bum time, but it became squeaky bum time. And now we live in said squeaky bum time. Isn't that fun? Squeaky bum time, squeeze your bum time. Thank you, Alex Ferguson. Now we're going to go through the scores. There are three competitions we have to cover, some more than others. We will start with the Premier League. There were two games. The first, there were, oh, sorry, there were three games. Jesus Christ. First, Tottenham beat my beloved Brighton. Brighton are fading. Harry Kane sets the record for goal, away goals. Wow, that's impressive. Then, Arsenal <laughs> at home. Oh, lose to Liverpool 2-0. But it was, they were gallant. They did not get the doors blown off them. But Liverpool are now charging and hard charging. And we're going to talk more about them in a minute. And then today, today, Everton pull one out of their ass. They win 1-0. They're down a man. But they got a reprieve in the game. A young man protesting the drilling of oil around the world zip-tied himself to the goal. So the game had an additional 14 minutes of added time. and. Alex Iwobi from Seamus Coleman and Dar uh, Dalmatnik Calvert-Lewin get the winner. And Everton stave off a surefire elimination. And they are not going to get relegated, maybe. What else do we have? We have Champions League scores. What? Crazy. We have Manchester United losing to Atletico Madrid 1-0 in a shit-housing game. Atletico pulled out all the stops to ruin Manchester United's day. They frankly weren't worth it. They were going into this game 1-1. Atletico were better in the first leg. So Man United are bounced, bounced, bounced. They have nothing to play for. And the venerable Ajax of Amsterdam are bounced by Benfica. They also uh, are unfortunately kicked out. But we have to say hello to our friends. Benfica have our friends a Jan Vertagen of Spurs, and Nico Otamendi of Manchester City, the Centurions, play the back line, and they hold off Ajax and do a smash and grab, win 1-0. They advance into the round of eight. Villarreal, our friend, good evening, good evening from Unai Emery. He bounces Villarreal 3-0. It's closer than that. They go through 4-1 on aggregate, so Juve's gone. And Chelsea, their troublesome oligarch-funded team on the skids, living from day to day. We don't know if they're going to disappear. Beat French champions, Lille, 4-1. They had a scare. Lille scored a goal early, but Chelsea go through on a wonderful goal from Christian. Not O, but Pulisic. Okay, that's the scores. That's the important stuff. I have one more score. The venerable and amazing West Ham United advance in the Europa League against Sevilla, uh, all along with Barcelona and a couple other teams, uh, Rangers. So the Europa League, the, the, the Junior League. But I'm emphasizing West Ham because this is the biggest West Ham result since the, since the 60s. West Ham go through 2-1 after being down a goal from the home leg, from the away leg, 
uh, in extra time. Yarmolenko, our, our Ukrainian friend who cried and we talked about, scores another goal. And the Saints and the glory of Ukraine is being carried on by Yarmolenko and West Ham continue. Wow. West Ham put it out there. So they're doing great. Fun times for them. But we go through the list. First big thing we've got to talk about is Liverpool's result and narrative shifting win against Arsenal. As you know, I am no fan of the Liverpool. They fuck me off. They're really good. They scare me. I'm petrified of them. And they get a little bit luckier than City do. City are very much a neurotic team. My team play Manchester City, play neurotic, trying to control everything. So I guess if you think about it this way, think about your bosses at work. There's one who's like super duper detail oriented and and does everything to perfection. And there's no I or T uncrossed. Everything's planned out and perfect. And they release amazing products. And then there's the inspirational person who drives people to their best and the team rallies around them and that's just an amazing thing so there's two ways to go about having these incredible teams one is pep guardiola's technocratic perfection and drilling and then the other side is jürgen klopp's insistent cajoling loving caring and hugging and saying you know what you can do a you can do 10 more you can do five more you can make that play better and Liverpool right now grab the bull by the horns, narrative shifts, City and Liverpool, both on 29 games played. One point separates them. It's like 2019 all over again, except this time Liverpool have five strikers and City have none. And... um Liverpool have the better goal difference. So they're actually a bit, they're actually a, they might actually be a better team this time. And, and I, I think fundamentally I would agree with that. Uh, I think they have more depth. Um, they're right there on XG against, um, it's very close, 45 to 44. It's virtually, these two teams are about as even as you possibly could be. Uh, Liverpool right now have the advantage because they signed a player in January in Luis Diaz, and City didn't do anything in January. So there's a little bit of momentum. Liverpool came through the African Cup of Nations without their players, and they sustained their attack. So you could make the argument that Liverpool are actually better now that they have their whole team together and City are just living on their perfection. This will all be decided on April 10th, provided City don't drop anymore. City did go through their full complement of... um, They did go through their full complement where they won 45 of 43. Then we started dropping. We had a loss to Tottenham, and then the, the draw to Crystal Palace, and then a draw to Southampton. So we've dropped points more recently while Liverpool are on a nine-game winning streak and may continue to win. Uh, it is not inconceivable that Liverpool could just carry on and pull this thing out. Liverpool did not play well against Arsenal. 
the first half to 50 minutes were poor. Uh, Martinelli spun Trent Alexander around three times. Had probably one of the most skillful runs I've ever seen. Allison made a mistake, but then rectified it by saving a ball from, from Odegaard late in the first half. And then minute late early in the first in the second half. And then five minutes later, Liverpool got their goal from Firmino, who came from Jota, who came on. And once the goal went in, Arsenal still played well, but they couldn't lift themselves. I think that that at that moment they mentally couldn't lift themselves up. And Liverpool were able to go to the bench and bring on Firmino and Salah for Jota and um I don't remember. It doesn't matter. So Liverpool now have depth. They have momentum. The narrative is shifting to that this is Liverpool's league to win. Nothing really separates uh, Liverpool and Manchester City. Uh, Liverpool have scored seven more goals, given up two more. They have the better goal difference on plus 55. City have one more loss, but one more win. So the points difference is Liverpool have two draws. And that's the only difference. City have an extra loss. It is tight. It is close. It is scary. And like I said, I think I said it probably three weeks ago, the first team to drop six loses six points. City have dropped two. So now if Liverpool... Yeah, like I said, first team to drop six will be the loser. And uh, we wait. Uh, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling confident. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling worried. For Arsenal, this was a great performance. Um, Arsenal still can't beat teams ahead of them. But I don't think that they have to beat teams ahead of them yet. This was a big step forward for Arsenal because they played so well. Especially in the first half. Martinelli was great. They kept they kept the attack of Liverpool in check. They caused problems. They pressed. The Emirates has never sounded louder. The Emirates, which is the stadium that Arsenal play in, the Emirates have never sounded louder. The place was buzzing. Everything was there for them. And, and I think had they got a goal, they might have won this game. But unfortunately, they could not get the goal they needed. And, you know, they did make changes in about the 67th minute later in the game. Odegaard came off for Smith Rowe, uh, Saka for Pepe, and Enketia for Lacazette. But that was late. And really, the game petered out, essentially, towards the back half of the game. The shots were close. It was just that um, Allison made the saves and, 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 and Ramsdale didn't. Uh, Ramsdale had a little bit of a tough game. He's been great all year, might be goal t- goalkeeper of the year, but this is a game he's not going to feel good about. He probably sh- His post-shot uh, expected goals was one, and he gave up two. So within the game, within the three shots, he gave up one more than he should have. Now, small sample size, whatever, but um, Liverpool are looking really strong. And um, the Palace draw for City really hurt. And it does put them behind the cosh. There's no wiggle room. There's no room for mistakes. There are nine games to go. Why can't I figure this out? 
Yeah, no, 38 games. There are nine games to go, and you have to win them all. Uh, you know, you have to win them all. You just cannot drop any more points at all, ever, never. <laughs> In the race for the top four, Chelsea, Chelsea hang on to their spot. They're doing fine. Arsenal are on 51. Man United are right behind them on 50. West Ham on 48. Arsenal still have the two games in hand, but their two games in hand are tough, and they have to play Villa on Saturday. Very tough stuff. But we carry on through the through the from Liverpool's joy at the top of the table to Everton's <laughs> maniacal, incredible uh, pulling out of a game against Newcastle at home. Mike and I called this game as a must win. I mean, there's not a lot of games that Everton has to win at this point. Everton are terrible. They were at Goodison. They're playing terribly. First half is all Newcastle uh, at even strength. I do not love Frank Lampard and what he's up to. Everton somehow, some way in this game, hang on. Um, in the first half, oh, I don't have all the, I don't have the, I don't have all the deep shot information yet, but I would have it later. First half, I looked at the stats. They were not great. Second half was better. Uh, they had a couple shots on target in the first half. There was a red card after a VAR check in the 83rd minute against Alain. It was ridiculous. It was a yellow every day. I don't know why they went for a sending off. But somewhere in the game, and I have to figure out the exact minute of it. I have to figure out the exact minute of it. A young man um, zip-tied himself to the goalpost uh, wearing a T-shirt that said, we have no future to, you know, protest fossil fuels. He had a very incel look. This guy's clearly never hung out with uh, with broads. But um, it was a crazy moment. And it did change the game because at that moment, um, it created an amount of time that allowed for Everton to have 14 minutes of added time in the game. Iwobi, who's much maligned, never great, never a good player, uh, just finds a way to get it done. And Everton pull out a win that they are desperate for. I mean, Newcastle had 17 shots, Everton only nine. Um, Newcastle had all the possession. So nothing is really going well for uh, Everton. Uh, Pickford was dropped. I don't know if he was hurt, so Begovic came in. Seamus Coleman still playing. Uh, there were three back, three three defenders played. Godfrey, uh, Michael Keane still, I don't understand it. Mason Holgate, DeCorey and Alan, and then Anthony Gordon played in the middle. There were some changes. So Gordon, uh, Iwobi, Damari Gray started uh, along with Richarlison up front. Uh, you know, Newcastle went with their regular group. And for Newcastle, it's not a big deal. They're doing fine. They don't have a problem with that. But for Everton, this is a massive win. This moves them off the bottom. This basically gives them one of the wins they need. They're now on 25, a full three points ahead of Watford 
on 22 and a full four points ahead of Burnley who have two games in hand on them. But those two games in hand are, I mean, Everton have two games in hand. So sorry, uh, Everton have a four point lead on Burnley and they both are on 27 games. So they're effectively in decent shape. The bottom three are really shaping up to be Watford, Burnley and uh, Norwich. Sure, there's nine games to go, um, but it's looking much more clear. Again, if you can win two games, you're out of the schneid. Uh, Norwich, I think we can cut loose. But to see Burnley go down would be something interesting. To see Everton go down would be something interesting. So Everton live to play another game in a strange game where they're terrible. But I think the uh, the Goodison Park crowd kept them going. Frank Lampard gets a lot of luck. <laughs> and he is a lucky, lucky boy to be where he is right now. So lucky for them, Everton, hang on for the three. Down a man. It was a really good goal, by the way. And the place went bananas. Now, from historic clubs who are doing great and have a lucky moment to historic clubs who crash out again, Man United now going on year six without a trophy. They lose to Atletico at home uh, in a game of shit housing. I thought United were okay in the first half. They played decently. Alanga had a shot that almost went in, went off of All Black's face. But then again, what we've been talking about with United over and over again is they cannot sustain games. They can play a half hour okay, but never a full game. Second half was worse. Uh, and um, uh, Lodi gets a goal, and now United are just kind of seeing out the season, just trying to focus on the top four. I saw Gary Neville kind of say, oh, I think they'll make the top four, but on on just heart alone. He just thinks, oh, they'll make the top four because why shouldn't they make the top four? Tough run for them. Tough run for them. But I have a big comment that I'll wait for later on in the show to talk about Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Uh, pretty much a hot take that I stole from Michael Cox of the uh, of the of the Athletics. So we'll see how that goes. Chelsea takes care of business against Lille. They reach a quarterfinals. Just from a Champions League roundup, the final eight are uh, are the final eight for the Champions League are Real Madrid, Liverpool, Chelsea. Real Madrid, Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester City, Villarreal, <laughs> Benfica, and uh, 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 Bayern Munich. And one other team. I have to figure out who the other team is. Oh, and Atletico. So the Spanish have retained their two Spanish teams. There's one from Germany. The three English teams, United, couldn't really hang on. And Benfica. Benfica will be the cannon fodder that everyone's looking for. That's not a good team, but good for them. Uh, they should house their way in. Um, so very, very interesting stuff there for uh, the Champions League. Um, the Europa League, I believe, has a good group too. It's it's Leipzig, West Ham, Barcelona, uh, <laughs> which is pretty funny. But anyway, yeah, we can we can talk about the freaking Europa League another time. So that's fascinating. We have 
more stuff coming up. Chelsea advance. Harry Kane also played this week against my beloved Brighton. Brighton have just kind of, uh, they've just kind of faded. I think the Dan Byrne sell, selling of Dan Barron has hurt them. They're kind of like, oh, we're safe, we're fine. Harry Kane becomes the all-time leader in away goals, um, which was amazing. Uh, there was a deflected goal scored. It, it looked like it might have been Kulishevsky's or Sons, but I think Ramirez took a hold of it and was like, I scored this goal. And 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 Spurs continue there. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. They're completely inconsistent at this point. But I don't know why, but I always think Conte's got something up his sleeve, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe Spurs are just what they are right now and just can't really get themselves moving too far. But, you know, Spurs sit in seventh. They're tied with West Ham to um, on 48. They're plus nine. They're okay they're sitting where they are they're having a good season uh i'm i think i had a question for mike that i wasn't sure he'd be able to answer but it's like who would who would you trade for would you want to be man united with an old squad that's falling apart and no coach or would you rather be spurs who still have harry kane and son and have conte in tow if you can just appease conte then won't you be able to Move your team forward. So that's an interesting thing. Oh my God! They really. Let me look at the Premier League. I just need to look at the the red black. Let's see. Oh yeah, yeah. Spurs win, loss, loss, loss. Win, loss, win, win, loss, win. So they have West Ham next. That's going to be a tough game for them. Anyway, Spurs are where they are. They're doing okay. Uh, I thought you know same same old same old Spurs. They still roll with the same group. Kane, Mora Kulishevsky, Son, uh, Hoiberg, and Betancourt. So it looks like they're getting a little bit of more of a run here. Doherty and Regulon played together, and he got to play his back three of Romero, Dyer, and Davies. The problem is Dyer and Davies are really, really poor. If they could find another defender, that would really make a difference. Uh, they need to play Dyer because he's such a good passer, but he can't move. And so they end up in these problems where, you know, they, they allow shots and allow too many shots and, and give up too many goals. While my beloved Brighton just can't seem to get out of their way. They're back to Duncan Duffy again without burn. They lose a little bit of their, uh, lose a little bit of their crew. They're playing Lamptey as a winger these days, which is a little bit weird and they still can't score goals. <laughs> uh, uh, Neil Mope, the, the butt wiper has, a uh, has reverted back to form and my beloved Brighton are hanging out where they belong and they are where they are. Okay. Let's just make sure we have a final roundup of the champions league. Ajax are out 10 hog. Who's been um, slated for the Manchester United job. They blow a chance against Benfica, but we say hello to friends. I was watching this game and I noticed Hey, that's Jan Vertonghen and Nico Otamendi. And I mean, when I say that <laughs> Benfica are not good, they are not good. They fucking hang on and shithouse this game. Ajax are doing their DNA. They're playing. They're playing. They're doing their thing. They've got Haller. They've got Dusan Tadic. They've got all their guys. And they just can't break down um, 
They just can't break down Benfica and they get bounced. Ten Hag uh, loses, I guess, his audition to see if he's a bigger manager. I'm not sure he's quite there. And then our friend, Mr. Emery, good evening, takes Villarreal, who are seventh in La Liga and beats Juve. Juventus of Turin just get bounced. Allegri, they go back to zero. If anything, when I think about these big teams, historically big, the aristocracy of football, the legacy clubs being out, like Juve and Ajax and United, uh, uh, you know, less, less, I guess Real did fine, is that the Super League, this always just gives more fuel for the Super League, and Juventus will be clamoring to get out of its league and find a new revenue stream because it's just like, ugh, this is no fun. Uh, speaking of revenue streams, we should probably touch on Chelsea. Chelsea do have lots of buyers lined up, uh, there's supposed to be a Friday deadline. The government of the UK has to allow for the sale to happen in some mode or another. But if another round of American owners comes in, how does that change the balance of the Premier League? Because most of these owners that are coming in to be buyers, I think this guy is ties to the Dodgers and maybe an NFL team here or there. They have an expectation of a closed league where you buy in and it goes up. It's like the housing teams in the U.S. are like houses. They always go up. Whereas in the U.K., if you get relegated and you don't invest in your team, it falls apart. So you have the Glazers who are American and you've got uh, maybe another American. owner. There's American owners here or there. And that influence of American sport coming into the league, will Chelsea being owned by another American sort of change the dynamic. Oh, sorry, FSG, Liverpool, owned by Americans, uh, change the dynamic of the league and the voting blocks as they are today. Because the big clubs in Europe ultimately want American sports-style money. Uh, I don't know that they care. They want relegation and promotion because it's bad for business. Like, if you were to set up a sports league now, you would not put relegation in it. It makes... It's fucking dangerous. And there's a reason why MLS teams sell for half a billion dollars and they're shit. Whereas you can go right now and buy a team in the championship in England for probably like Derby County's probably there for you for $20 million. And that is a historical club. So it just changes the revenue model. So it's interesting. I like to think about the business. I like to think about those things. I like it. I like it. I like it. It's my kind of thing. Uh, I've made it to a half an hour. I feel like I've been talking for four days. <laughs> oh, Mike, I talked about this before, but when Mike and I do shows, they come out to about an hour and we're kind of tired. We're kind of running out of gas. Sometimes I want Mike to... Um, to stop talking and he goes too fast. And I'm like, Mike, what are you doing? But in this case, uh, that half hour, you really need that, that person to, to give you more time <laughs> and really, uh, and really help you along with, um, with filling airtime. So, I mean, I have a big mouth and I like to talk. I can talk about anything, but, uh, when you're talking to yourself, to a camera, it can get weird. So we carry on. Here we go. Uh, other news. We still, there are, Premier League games this weekend, and there's the FA Cup. Let's do the Premier League previews for the weekend. Tomorrow, we have Wolves versus Leeds. Uh, Wolves are comfortably in the league. Leeds got their big win against Norwich, and Jesse March probably has them safe 
Um, this is the battle of two things that are weird. Like Leeds give up goals all the time and Wolves can't score goals. So it should be, my guess here is that we would go nil-nil. This will be a low-scoring affair. Leeds are having a hard time scoring, and Wolves can't score. So we'll see what happens there. This Aston Villa versus Arsenal. Arsenal coming off licking, off, licking their wounds on a Wednesday, and then having the early game on Saturday is just brutal. Uh, I would expect Aston Villa to pull this game out after Arsenal lick their wounds. Arsenal need points off this game, though. This is a big game for them. I think any Arsenal fan would rather would have expected between Liverpool and Aston Villa to get three points out of the week out of the two games. That would have been okay. I think Arsenal should be happy with a draw here. I think that they're in trouble. This Villa game is going to be a trap game. This is another moment of coaching. Can Unai can Arteta lift the team up after a great performance? But they've got to be dejected. They're still the youngest team in the league. They're going against a Villa side who just lost, but they're still playing well. I think Gerard has the team going well. But ultimately, this is an early game. This is the traditional kickoff time. Can Arsenal lift themselves up off the mat after playing midweek, playing the early game on Saturday, and play Villa and get something, get a win out of this game? Could be very, very tough. Sunday. We have Leicester City versus Brentford. Both teams in decent shape. Leicester coming off a loss uh, and Brentford coming off a big win that puts them into safety, basically. Brentford are just... Yeah, Brentford coming off a win uh, while while Leicester just lost to Arsenal. Arsenal played really well in that game. Uh, but I would expect... I would expect a good game here. Um, Leicester are terrible on set pieces. I would go with Ivan Tony to score a goal on a cross. We saw that goal get scored already with um with Ericsson to Tony for the win in that game. So let's uh let's expect Brentford to pull that game out. And then a, a London Derby, Tottenham and West Ham both coming off midweek. Uh West Ham's game was extra time, put in an extra shift. Both teams really lack depth at this point. Very evenly matched. I'd say Tottenham-West Ham is about as close a game as you could get. Tottenham are at home. I don't know how much that means. Uh, The other issue I'd say is West Ham are the type of team that give Tottenham fucking fits because they sit deep and Tottenham don't have good creative midfielders to break things down. If this is a game for perhaps this is a game that I think would be interesting to see if Conte could experiment with playing Mora, Kulishevsky, Son, and Kane, but Kane sitting deeper. I wonder if, if, if Harry's role is to become a number 10 and basically say, we're not going to find Christian Eriksen, but we're going to make Harry Kane into Christian Eriksen. Uh, but instead of Kane having to do both jobs, just do the one job and get into the box when he can. I'd be interested to see if Kane would do that. That would be something fascinating to see if Kane could basically become a number 10 with the three guys in front of him. I don't know who'd play the nine, maybe Mora, 
Mora could play the nine, maybe Sun, who knows? Maybe even Bergwine. Just just mix it up. See see if that's something that's interesting. Uh, those are Premier League games. So we've got those. So a lot of things are mixing up. We've got the Premier League over the weekend. And then on the FA Cup side, we still have Middlesbrough Chelsea, Middlesbrough versus Chelsea, Crystal Palace versus Everton on Sunday, Liverpool versus Nottingham Forest, a classic. And Southampton versus Manchester City. So we still have big teams. City have not beat Southampton this year and are coming off a loss. So that's weird. Uh, Middlesbrough have put out Arsenal and Manchester United. So that's not an easy game for Chelsea. Our friend Chris Wilder uh, has his boys from Tyneside playing really well. And we know with Chelsea, it's weird. They are still really tough but they kind of play like an old Italian side. You never know if they're going to score, but they but they definitely know you're not going to score. And then uh, Everton, Crystal Palace. Mike said that he thought that Chris, Everton should just ditch this game. I think Crystal Palace are really good. So having seen City just play them, they'll be up for this game. It's at Selhurst. Palace have got to be like, I should probably look. They've got to be like plus 200 favorites. Easy at home against Everton. I hope that Vieira goes for this game. Selhurst will be rocking. I like this game. And then Nottingham Forest, Liverpool, Nottingham Forest at home, two-time European champions, knocked out Liverpool more than once in, in the 80s season to stop Liverpool from winning the European Cup in the old European Cup days. Um, Liverpool will cruise through this. But if narrative dictates that Liverpool are supposed to try and win this famed quadruple and they just played Arsenal midweek, this is a opportunity for Liverpool to maybe drop something. Nottingham Forest have been playing really well. Um, this is actually the first meeting of any competition between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest since 1999. And... While this goes back to 1984, Liverpool are winless in their last 12 away games in Nottingham Forest. So things are a little bit crazy here. Uh, it's a little bit wacky. From something that's super old, overall, Liverpool have progressed from six of seven FA Cup ties versus Nottingham Forest, failing in the first of such meetings in February 1895. I love that the FA Cup has this history it's one of these amazing things. We'll see what happens. I'm expecting, I'm going to call for the upset. I see Forrest pulling this game out because this is a moment for them. They can go try and win this thing. It would be fucking amazing if they did it uh, because fuck Liverpool. I fucking hate them. Nottingham Forest coming off. Let's see. Nottingham Forest coming off. Winning, they're unbeaten in their last, unbeaten since January 30th. So one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They're unbeaten in nine going into Liverpool. This is a big, big game for them. Uh, maybe they can pull it out. I, that would be super exciting. Uh, I hope they do. Uh, Liverpool, uh, sorry, uh, Forest. If you don't know, we're managed by uh, Nigel, Nigel Clough, Brian Clough, 
one of the more famous managers in English football history. He is the primary uh, antagonist in the film Damned United. He was the coach of Nottingham Forest and then went to Leeds, got fired after like 12 days, and then went uh, – well, sorry. He was the coach at Derby, won the league, then went to Leeds, got fired, and he and he and his partner uh, – Taylor went to Nottingham Forest and made them into European champions. So very famous team. I always talk about them. If you're interested in that stuff, get into football history. It's fascinating. It always means something to me. And I hope that people get into this nerdy stuff like I do. But I am going to wrap it up. That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with not Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you're listening on Apple, please rate and review the show so that more people can find us. Thank you, and good night, and goodbye.